and it's an adult patient or a pediatric patient if you don't see the what would you mostly most likely what will clue you in that there is a fracture on a lateral of an elbow the what the fat pad which one posterior is the one you never see right so you'll see it now what about the anterior one you always see it but it changes shape now it's a what we call the sale sign right Okay, so we are moving down, we're moving down, we're moving up. We're moving up to the, we're moving up to the shoulder. So like we said before, anything, right, regarding musculoskeletal, the uh, x-ray is your entry point. When it comes to the shoulder, your standard view is an AP view. But um, in addition, they sometimes do what they call an axillary or a scapular Y view, you guys don't need to know, you know, uh, what the additional views are. You're just going to order x-rays of the shoulder, right shoulder, left shoulder, 
both shoulders if you have to. Okay, so with regards to the shoulder, right, um, most common, shoulder injuries common in all age groups. It doesn't have one group versus the other. The difference is um, which part, because when we talk about the shoulder, we're not just talking about the humerus, the glenoid cavity. We're also talking about what? The clavicle, right? And what else are we talking about? The scapula. So depending, so depending on the uh, demographic, we'll determine which one is most likely fractured. Not always, you remember with medicine, right? Most likely doesn't mean a child cannot have a humeral fracture. It's more common in the elderly population, but you know, it doesn't mean that a child or an adolescent cannot present with that. So with regards to the both, remember, fracture dislocation or both of them occurring simultaneously, it's not, it's not uncommon. Um, well, like I just said, in the pediatric population, usually what? Clavicular fractures, right? Children and adolescents. Um, playing a sport. Okay, I showed you guys have seen clavicular fractures before. Um, when it comes to um, adults, usually with adults, usually it's a dislocation or you may have a AC joint separation. So that's more common in the adults and then in the geriatric population. Right, we talked about the fracture of the humerus. And usually when we talk about fracture of the humerus, a lot of times it's the head and the neck. Okay, but it's not uncommon for the shaft to be fractured as well. So when we talk about fractures, well, I have an extra sternoclavicular joint in there, so you could erase that. Remember, three bones, scapular, clavicle, proximal humerus, three joints, right? glenohumeral joint, the um, acromion clavicular joint, and then the sternoclavicular joint. So those are the three bones and joints that we're talking about. Okay, trauma, any etiology, the first thing you're going to do is a what? X-ray, right? So you're going to do a radiograph, X-ray of the shoulder. Sometimes what happens is a patient may have a traumatic shoulder pain, or maybe it's non-localized. Like, you, you, you know, they just complain of pain, but you don't know exactly where it is. And if you're a dual, so you're still going to do radiographs are always your initial entry point. But if your radiograph ends up being negative, then you want to do what? An MRI of the shoulder, okay, without <clears throat> IV contrast. Why is that? Because the bones in the shoulder are unlike, unlike something like this snuff box where, you know, it's very, you, it's very hard to see if there is a fracture. The thing is, with the, because the bones are larger, that if an x-ray doesn't show a fracture, then maybe you, the patient may have something ligament, especially the shoulder joint, right? Because that's where we have the rotator cuffs, right? We have the rotator cuff. We have these uh, ligaments. We have these joints. So that's why MRI with, um, without contrast is your next step, not necessarily CT. If, however... It is uh, um, an obvious fracture, and like we said, you need to sort of decide from a surgical point of view, right? Um, like a fragmented fracture, there are lots of pieces, then you need more information, you'll do CT. Okay, so it really all depends on the extent of the fracture, which you're planning to do as a result of it. Um, what about clavicular fractures? Like we said, children and adolescents in athletic activities, um, usually what will happen is that they will fall, right? They will fall on the shoulder or they could receive a blow to the clavicle. Those are the two most common mechanisms of injury. So when we do 
when you have your exam on musculoskeletal, a lot of times questions can ask you uh, what is the mechanism of injury, what's the possible mechanism of injury, or within your clinical vignette, it's going to say the mechanism of injury is a fall, right? To the, uh, to, on the shoulder, it's a fall on an outstretched arm. So just so you know, MOI, mechanism of injury. So once again, <clears throat> it is confirmed by radiography. These images vary, you know, you've seen them quite a few times. You mean, like I said, with, with musculoskeletal, it's either you recognize the bone or you don't. So your anatomy is more important than anything. Um, scapular fractures, with scapular fractures, they're a little, sometimes a little bit more difficult to see on a radiograph. The thing with a scapular fracture, it's usually, um, the mechanism of injury is usually directly from trauma to the scapula or a fall or a motor vehicle, um, so some type of vehicular accident. <clears throat> Once again, the modality, initial modality is going to be your radiograph. And the thing is, if you do see, if they find a fracture lying on any, any part of the scapula, your next step is going to be your CT. Because as you can see, as you can see the images shown there, with regards to this fracture of the scapula, very difficult, very difficult to see if the arrow, if the arrow wasn't there. I mean, you can, you can tell the, what is this? Radiolucency, remember, fractures are still in um, radiolucency. But looking at this, you're very, it's very difficult to, to even tell Yes, it's telling you it's a fracture here, and then you can see the fracture line here. This is actually the clavicular fracture, right? Here's your clavicle, there's your fracture line, that's pretty obvious. Scapular fracture is obvious in this one, but it's not always that easy. Especially when it comes to the wing of the scapula, sometimes the fracture lines are very thin and narrow. But if you look at your CT, the axial CT, you can actually um, you can actually see this the fracture line pretty well, especially when it is because this one is a, this spine. Okay, so that's where CT comes in. Once it's a once you show there's some inclination, some um, presentation of fracture on a radiograph, CT is your um, next your more next modality. You're going to order a CT um, without contrast, right? Because we say bones, you don't need contrast. Okay. Anything so far? So pretty straightforward. So here we have some images. This image is, what do you think? Anybody see a fracture on this one? The image all the way to your left. Well, yeah, when you look in the screen. Where? Where? Where's that? The AC joint? That's a normal. That's it. Don't look too much. Sometimes when you try, if you look hard enough, you'll find something, right? The key is don't look, don't look for anything. And that's the first thing they teach radiologists. Don't look for something, you know, usually what your eye catches the first time is usually there. So that's a normal. So then look at the image next to it, aside from all the arrows. Well, that's where the fracture is, where all these arrows are. But still, still very, if I didn't have arrows there, right? Still a little bit difficult to pick up, right? But then look at it on a CT, where you can actually, you know, I mean, it's quite obvious where the, fra the fracture line is, okay? So this entire thing is fractured. Fractured here, and it's actually um, displaced. So that's the beauty, that's the beauty of, a, of a CT scanning when it comes to um, 
shoulder, right shoulder, scapula usually is uh, much better at helping. So this was actually a patient who had a fracture of the wad. It's actually all the way through the scapula, but you would have never guessed from just looking. This, this radiolucent, sort of uh, river-like, it almost looks like a, a river running through. That's your fracture line, but look at how much more obvious it is on your CT. Uh-oh, technical problems oh, over okay. there. Oh, okay. Okay, any questions? No? Okay. Humeral fractures. How does someone break the humerus? Can happen, occur, can fracture from direct or indirect trauma, right? Either direct, meaning they fall on the shoulder, indirect trauma could be what? What could be an indirect? Something hit them, right? That, that's the indirect. That's a direct, sorry. Indirect could be a fall. Okay, so what do we know about a humeral neck? Anytime you hear humeral neck, it's usually referred to as the surgical neck. Why? Because that's where the bone is most porous of all parts of the, um, all parts of the humerus. And that's where most fractures would occur. So that's where most surgical repairs usually have to um, end up occurring. So that's why it's called the surgical neck. Um, what else do we know about it? The key with the surgical head and you're going to see, or the humeral neck, the surgical neck, I call it the surgical head. The surgical neck, the humeral neck, when we go to the pelvic area, you're going to see it's the same concept in terms of the neck of the pelvis. That's where you're very concerned when you have a fracture because of what? Avascular necrosis. Because that's where the major blood vessels, just like our what? Snuff box, right? So that's why we, we said with a snuff box, if the patient, if the pain is out of, out of proportion, to what you see on to a negative x-ray, you should either splint and bring the patient back if you're in a clinic, um, or you, if you have MRI, do an MRI, okay? So that's the same concept. It all has to do with um, avascular necrosis. Um, what else do we know about the humeral neck is adhesive uh, capsulitis. So what is adhesive? What's it common, um, the latum for... Adhesive capsulitis, capsulitis, which which is um, another complication of a humeral or surgical neck fracture. Adhesive means what? When something's adhesive, sticky. You always think of it as, as sticky. That's a frozen shoulder. Adhesive capsulitis. So what it is is that in these patients, they have inflammation of the capsule. Inflammation of the capsule can lead to fibrosis. And that's why these patients have difficulty. It's like frozen. So putting the arm up over the head, you know, you, you'll see these patients have very limited, limited motion. Okay, when you do your musculoskeletal exam, right? Limited motion with regard to that. So that's adhesive capillitis. This is a complication of, um, of a humeral neck, surgical neck uh, fracture. Okay, so what are usually when we do the sh when they're doing the shaft of the humerus, you will see two different projections, right? So the shaft is this main part, right, of the humerus. So you're going to need they will do a lateral and an AP. So when you see those, once again, you're just going to order the the you know order the the uh, radio the radiograph of the humerus, and they will do the two views. 
Um, what do we know, once again, about humeral fractures, initial study or radiographs? If it is that you have a humeral head or a humeral or a humeral neck fracture, what's your next uh, modality? Just like with the scapular fracture, you want to do a CT, right? Remember, whenever you have um, a bone, when you have a bone fractured in an area where there's a lot of blood vessels, you know, you cannot, you need to know the extent of your fracture because then they need to know, do we need to repair this? Are we going to leave this this way? Why? If you leave it that way and it needed to be repaired, then the patient ends up with an avascular necrosis. Okay? So that's why the, um, usually CT will help to determine um, what, which is where, where you're going in terms of management, surgical management of your patient. Okay, so here we see there, when you want to depict early stages of avascular necrosis, when you have complex fractures, MRI is the, always the modality for avascular necrosis. And you'll see that, and we've seen it, in any of the musculoskeletal um, that we talk about so far. Okay, so I just gave you a little, um, as you see there, your different parts of the humeral head. And uh, have you guys done musculoskeletal review in anatomy? No? Okay. So you see you have the humeral head is A. What is B? The humeral head. What's A? I was just trying to see if anybody was reading it. A is the greater tuberosity. B is the humeral head. It fits into the glenoid cavity, remember? And then what's C? Lesser tuberosity. And then D is the? head going into the shaft. So that's the beginning of the shaft. That's how I know if y'all are listening to me or not. Okay, so your image on your left, far left, that's a real, that's a normal image. It's just giving you a, an idea of showing you when you look at the, when you look at the actual radiograph, what's the greater tuberosity, what is represented by the lesser tuberosity. So the red is the Greater tuberosity. The, the blue is the lesser. The yellow is the humeral head. And then that white band is where you're going from the neck to the rest of the shaft. Okay, so then if you look at the image next to it, we said that when we look at a radiograph, right, of the bones, when we're looking at bones, we said you want to do what? You want to move along the margin of the bone, and you want to just trace it for what? Continuity, right? So let's trace that humerus and that humeral head. Just if you trace it for continuity, do you see anywhere where there is not continuity? Do you see a step-off? I see two step-offs. Do you guys see two? So let's trace. So continuity, continuity, oops, here we go. Fracture line, and then you the little bit of a step off. And then as you continue and you continue, fracture line, right? Step off. The step off is looks in, is now in the opposite direction. So that's what I'm telling you. When it when it comes to fracture, when it comes to bone, just look for continuity. Is it always going to be very visible? Not always, but that's the first place you should start. You know, something like this scapula, you can have a hairline fracture in the wing or the, what they call the wing or the body of the scapula. So that may not affect continuity, okay, especially if it's a hairline fracture. But the majority of the times, just by tracing, 
right? The 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 um, the uh, margin of the bone. Usually, that will um, help you to determine if there is one or not. Anybody have a question? Okay, pretty straightforward. So let's look at the next image. The image that's next to it. Anybody see a fracture line? Right here, right? You see this white line? Very difficult to see. Well, I, I think you guys could see it better than I could. You could see it the further you were, the, the closer, the better you can see it. So just about here, it's a very, it's a, a horizontal, looks like a transverse, right? But there's not really any step off per se. So then look at, okay, so, I mean, do I need to point this out? I hope not. Okay, so what do you think this is next to it? Well, what is this? A giant paper clip. <laughs> oh, oh my God, a big paper clip. If that's the patient's arm, that's the what? That's the board that the patient's on, right? That's where they transport the patient on. Yeah, that's the board. Look, this is the outline of the board, and this is where they hold. Oh, oh. You all thought it was a paper clip? Go listen to Ray. Just the biggest paper clip of your life. Yeah, that's what it is. That's the, that's the board that they transport the patient to. In a case like this, this was, this was a portable, right? Because they're not moving the patient. That's why you do the best you can with what you have. Here's the CT of the patient. Which view is this? Is this axial, coronal, sagittal? That's a sagittal. Sagittal, right? Sagittal, you're going from right to left or left to right, depending. So you're slicing it in a vertical. No, oh, is that vertical? Yeah, horizontal. Vertical, right? But you're going this way. You're going from right to left. So it's not a midline, right? It's not a coronal. Coronal, <clears throat> coronal is this to this. Okay. <clears throat> huh? Is it? What do you think it is? Coronal? Why do you think it's coronal? Go ahead. Which one? This one? All right. It is coronal. Ah, I was waiting to see. Thank you, Farid. That's a coronal. How do you know from the ribs? Because these are the ribs. These are the ribs. This is the lung. Very good. I like to keep you guys alert and alive. So it's a coronal. Huh? Okay, so then, okay, so then what, what, what is this? What type of imaging modality is this one? No, no, I'm not asking what view, what modality. Let's see if you remember from way back in the beginning. CT, but what is that? No, not the bone window. A 3D what? Surface, right? Surface rendering, you remember? Surface rendering of the bone, where you're looking at it from a surface point of view. Yeah, but that's the CT. See how many cool things you could do with CT? Cooler mundo. All right. Okay, so what do you think we're looking at here, besides if you read the... Okay, so that's a fracture, but what is this, tell what is this showing us? Dislocation. Dislocation. 
Well, it is a little dislocated. If you look at this space between here and there, here's your fracture. This is an MRI, right? Yeah, it is. It's an MRI. It's a coronal MRI. What do you, why is that middle area black? Yeah. So remember, you bone, bone doesn't pick up signal, but when there's necrosis happening, it's even blacker. Okay? That's how avascular. That's when avascular. That's when avascular, yes, that's when it has occurred um, over a period of time. Even though, even though with a fracture like this, this patient should have, you know, it's, it's a, a recurrent, a current fracture. But depending on when the patient fell and when the patient was seen, right? Because you have a lot of, you have a lot of vasculature in, in this area as well. Yeah, it depends on the time frame. But what is the time frame? What is the time frame? Um, it depends on, that's a good question. I don't have an answer for that. <laughs> But it depends on the extent of the injury and the extent of the lack of blood flow to that area. I'm sure you guys will do more in thingy, in orthopedics. And then this is a humeral shaft fracture, right? Yeah, I wouldn't like to be that person. Okay? So that's a pretty, that's a pretty obvious uh, image. Okay, so when you hear rotate the cuff, who do you think of? Baseball players. Baseball players, football players, people in working out in the gym from a young age and they think they could pump all this iron until until it catches up with you in your late thirties, forties. So Huh? Well with rotator cuffs a lot of it has to do with um, degeneration. A lot of it is over a period of time. So um, overload, right? Lifting, you know when you do those overhead presses. So be careful. So degeneration, impingement, overload, those are the mechanism of injuries. And it depends, right? So each one depends. Uh, they have a varying degree of how, how it will affect the extent of the rotator cuff. The key is, though, intrinsic degeneration is the most common, most likely source. Overuse, right? Keep exercising, keep overusing. So that's the most common use. What are the most common presenting symptoms? Pain and weakness. So eventually, yeah, the, you, you, you complain of weakness. I think I have a rotator cuff problem because, believe it or not, I used to work out in my youth. It, it may not look so now, but yes. So anyway, those were the days. Pain and weakness, right, could be the presenting um, sign. So pain over, and I'm serious, pain over the lateral, right, muscle, the deltoid. And when I do this, I feel it all the way down my, my arm on my shoulders. When I, sometimes when I sleep on it, I get numbness and tingling. So I think I have a rotator cuff problem, but it's okay. I'm not doing any MRI. I don't care what. So <laughs> that is the key, right? Exactly. That's me. Pain over the lateral, dento, uh, the lateral deltoid, raising my arm up hurts. When I, and I'm a side sleeper. I'm, I'm like killer in the morning. So I've never, I've had a radiograph done. It hasn't shown any bone, um, the degeneration, but I will never, I will not do an MRI. Yes. So just question, because the deltoid is not a muscle that's part of the, the rotator cuff. 
Right. So the fact that you have pain over the, the lateral deltoid, is that like a referred pain, or is it because of the nerve, like the break of Because of, cause yes, because remember, you, one, of the, one of the causes of a rotator cuff problem is, could be impingement. So you have that impingement that actually also transfers over. So that's the key. I get axial pain too. But anyway, like I said, and I've got, you can hear my crepitus. Because I'm claustrophobic and I won't. Oh. The hell no. <laughs> I don't care. And I don't do well with um, with things like, like Xanax. I get I get more it creates anxiety in me. So I don't do those kinds of things. I'm very pure. <laughs> as far as I go, no. Xanax and I uh -uh. so that's okay, I'll live like this. So like we said. Bone, uh, you're going to do an x-ray because you want to see, yeah, you may be a high suspicion of a rotator cuff problem, but you still have to rule out fractures or dislocations. And then, you know, if you don't see anything on the radiograph, that's when you, you need to do um, MRIs, your next step. So here we go. <clears throat> Here's a, here are two MRIs. T-weighted, T2-weighted. Okay, and they, they these are in the coronal, not the, not the oblique, they're the coronal uh, views. But this is a normal rotator cuff. So what do you notice about the rotator cuff? Signal-wise, not as bright. This is the torn rotator cuff. This is the normal. Why is the signal brighter on the rotator cuff that's uh, damaged? It's because of the fluid buildup, right? Remember we said, and that's why T2 shows up these better than T1 because edema, right? They tend to be brighter with fluid. The other thing you notice is that the continuity of the rotator cuff. Because if you're trying to actually find the cuff and look for the thin con continuous, it's very difficult because all you're seeing is this signal from the edema. Okay, so that's your rotator cuff, um, your rotator cuff damage on your T2 MRI. I know at this time of day, I usually like phase out. Any questions on that? So rotator cuff, you're still going to do an x-ray first, right? Because your patient's going to present with pain. You got to make sure you have nothing else. Maybe it's a de degenerative changes. Maybe it's arthritic changes. Narrowing of the joint space. You don't know. Okay, so you can't assume that it's, it's rotate, it is the rotator cuff. Especially if you don't have a, especially in those patients too, where that are non-athletic patients, you know, age, the, the age group and the history on the patient. And then MRI is your, um, is your next step, if, especially if the um, x-ray is negative. Dislocations, what is the most common uh, dislocation in the elbow, anterior or posterior? Do you guys remember? Elbow, posterior, shoulder, it's anterior, so they're opposite. Remember the, remember the lateral radiograph, right? We said the humerus was here, but the radius and ulna were posteriorly, right? Posterior, but in the case of the shoulder, it's different. So we have anterior and posterior dislocation. Anterior dislocation is the more common, about 95% more common. Why? Okay, look at the mechanism of injury of a posterior dislocation. Electric shocks and epileptic seizures. So that's why the chances are less than in an anterior, okay? Dislocation, just by the uh, mechanism of injury. So what happens, what, what happens when, um, what, what can cause 
an anterior dislocation. So they're talking about the arm is forcibly externally rotated and abducted. So, you know, if somebody's pitching a ball, right? Can you picture that? Because it's, it's abducted and it externally rotated. I can't do that too well. So, um, football players too in an arm tackle, right? People who are kayaking, when you brace the paddle, whatever that means, because I don't kayak. Oh, when you, when you go above your head, is that what bracing means? Okay, I guess none of us are kayakers in lakes. Okay, I am not, that's for sure. Okay, so you go too far posteriorly, and then skiers when they plant. Yeah, so you go... They go this way. Yeah, so you're right. So you're going external, right? So it's the same movement as if you are pitching a ball. Okay, now my shoulder's good. I'm going to have to take two when I get there. Okay, so, um, and then when skiers, we, we talked about skiers before with which one? The gamekeeper's thumb, right? Well, now what we have is this one is when you up the uphill pole, when you plant it and it gets stuck. So when you're doing the same sort of motion, this whole, so the key is, the external rotation, forcible external rotation and abduction. Ab means away from, right? Add. I always think of when you're adding something, you're going closer in. Okay. Um, diagnosis. You can find, you can see dislocations on a radiograph. So your initial is going to be uh, um, AP, shoulder radiograph. Because remember, you're talking about uh, widening of the joint space, right? Sometimes with dislocations, the bone moves depending on the extent. So let's look at some dislocations, anterior and posterior. So the one all the way on the left, where it says normal, that's normal. Hello. Okay, so what is the key with the normal? The head of the humerus where it fits into, that's a ball and socket joint, right? So it fits into the glenoid cavity. Do you notice what they call the crescent shape? That's how you know that this joint is intact because you have this crescent shape overlap on the x-ray. So you see that lens-like appearance, right? Epidural or, um, epidural or subdural? Uh-huh. Epidural, good, just make a joke. You remember your neuro. So it's not called an epidural, right? I'm just trying to see if you remember lens-like and what it brings to mind. Connecting the little dots in those little brain cells. Okay, so you see the crescent shape. Okay, so when we think of an anterior dislocation on an AP view, what are we, what are we saying? Where, where does the head of the humerus move relative to the glenoid cavity? So it moves, so it's moving anterior, right? So it's moving... First of all, it moves down, away, down, inferior to the glenoid cavity and medial, right? So the humeral head will lie inferior and medial. So it's going to move down, down, and more in medial, because this is medial, right? Okay, medial to what? So that's, that's anterior. The Y view, and I put the Y view in there so you could appreciate the dislocation. Okay, because some when you look at the AP view, it's very hard to visualize it, right? But just think of it as if this is your shoulder and it's popping out, because that's anterior, 
right? So it's almost like 3D when it's coming out at you. The Y view shows it much better because you can actually see how it's moving inferior to the glenoid, right? Because here's your G for glenoid. So it's moving inferior, but definitely you could appreciate the medial movement on the, on the Y view. Okay? Anybody, anybody needs a re, anybody need, has questions on that or can't picture it? Oh, okay. Well, if they can't, we can't hear. Sorry. <laughs> um, what about posteriorly? I thought you guys were going to change, so they can be here and you guys will be there. They didn't want to. Oh, they didn't want to. Oh, okay. That's their loss. They don't see me in person. So tell me. Which one? Which one? In the, in the AP? Yeah. Okay. So all you, what you do is, this is your glenoid. This is the glenoid cavity, right? So when you're looking at this, usually, let's go back here. So usually, this, the head of the humerus will sit in that, in that bowl. It's a bowl and socket joint. But when you're looking at it now, remember, the, the scapula and the glenoid cavity, they're not moving. So what you, what you look at is, I am looking at the patient. I am facing my patient, right? But in this case, for you to understand it, pretend you are the patient. So I am the patient, and my shoulder is going, the, the humerus is going outward, it's going medially and inferiorly. So it's coming at you when you're looking at the patient. So put yourself as the patient and say, okay, here's my humerus. It's moving inferior to the glenoid cavity, inferior and medially. But if you're looking at me, it looks like it's coming out at you. Does that help? Well, yeah, I just saw it drop down there too. Right, yes. So it's moving down. It's halfway. It's like almost in the, in the middle. So that's why it moves inferiorly. Yes. So the term wipe you, like how, how's that done? Because I understand that AP is, is coming from the right. uh, anterior to posterior. With the wipe you, how's... Okay, so the, the Y view is like an axial view, if I remember correctly. Because I'm not... Uh, the Y view, when they position the patient for a Y view, I think it's an axial. I'll have to check, unless somebody wants to Google how a Y view is done. Oh, I think it's an oblique. Yeah, the Y axis. But in terms of how is the beam, I don't... So it's an it, I think it is an obliquey thingy, right? Look it up and look up the Y view. How how is on Google? Oh, you talking about in the Y view? So how you think? How is it taken? And then that being like like a Y, but I'm trying to figure out technically how how this. So the Y-view is taken by aligning the X-ray beam parallel to the plane of the scapula. Parallel. So the beam parallel to the plane of the scapula. Oh, so, okay. Well, whatever. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, don't be sorry. You can... Oh, there it is. Y'all can look it up. This is 6 o'clock in the afternoon. I am. Yes. Oh, you mean in a, when you Google it? Okay, because you want to get the humerus out of the way. 
Oh, you also Google all of that. I, you don't have to take it, so you don't really care. Huh? No, it's not going to be on the test. How do you do a wide view? If I was a radiologic technologist and I didn't know how to do it, you'll get, you should get worried. But. Yeah, no, no, don't they? No, what it is is that it is the view that they will use if they need to, but in terms of trying to figure out how it's done technically, I'll be lying to you. All right, but that's a good question. Uh, inquiring minds want to know. Yes, I'm sorry. Yes, that's why they call it a wide view because because of the way that the the angle of how <clears throat> it's an oblique, right? So it's kind of an oblique view. Oh, you nerds! Okay. <laughs> Let me see. Oh God, can we just get over this wide view? Whatever. <laughs> okay, so it is. It's an it's an oblique view. Show, show, show. Like, you know, no, you can. Whatever. He doesn't care now because I told him to worry about it. <laughs> Too late. Because he knows it's not going to be on the test. He's like, I don't need to see it now. Oh, you sat in a WhatsApp. Thank you very much, show offs. Okay, so what about, so, so that's the anterior. What about the posterior? What do you notice? Look at the normal and look at the posterior and tell me what you notice about that crescent. You don't, uh, exactly. So when you don't see the crescent, you know you're dealing, look for the crescent, and if it's not there, you're dealing with the posterior, because now the humeral head is pushed, being pushed backwards. And you can think about it, if, you are, if you're in electric shock, you fall what, back, right? So just think of it, electric shocks, back, you fall, it'll zap you back. That's how I, that's how I used to remember it, for posterior. Huh? Just, I always think of when, when you get an, whenever you see somebody get an electric shock, they always fly back, right? So that's why electric shock posterior. Just a way of remembering. But the key with the image is look for the crescent. So remember we said that in the normal, you have that, that overlap and it forms a crescent shape radio opacity. If you look at the posterior, and if you look at the AP of a posterior dislocation, there is no, there is no crescent shape. If you, and then you say, but what about, but, but look at the one with the anterior, it's not crescent, but you still have that overlap, right? There's still that overlap of the humerus on the, on the glenoid. Yes. So aside from the white view, it's always going to be an AP. Yes. And then sometimes they will do, um, the white views an oblique, depending, they have, they have all different views. They have swimmers views. They have a lot of different views that if they need to. And then with the, with the advent of, um, of CT, they probably, they'll probably just do two, the two views, and it really depends on the radiologist and if they really need to do it. Right? Any questions? So there's your wide view at the bottom there. Well, the wide view over there, but this is just showing you what you're looking at, where, where you expect the humerus, humerus to be relative to the, um, the scapula, because that's the scapula, um, with regards to the wide view. So that's a diagrammatic representation for you to orient yourself with the wide view. Okay? So you see how it's saying here? It says in an anterior, the humeral head is going to be 
to let's say to the right and it is right correct and then it's saying that if it's a posterior view it's to the left and there it is so this one this image here orients you in the wide view Yes. And with that wide view, is that something, would that be like additional, like a shoulder series or? Like yeah, it'll be part of the shoulder series, correct. So when you order it, you just say. You just shoulder. say x rays of the x ray of the shoulder, and then the radiology department, the radiologist has their, what, what they will consider, maybe two views, three views, okay. and then so forth. So basically, you're usually um, ordering, just like I said, with the chest. With chest x-ray, if you say chest x-ray, even if they don't have a slot for you to choose, PA and lateral, it's assumed. So every, every radiology department, the radiologists have standards, uh, guidelines, and then they can add whatever else they want. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Okay, pelvis. You guys need a break? Oh, God. Go. <laughs> I shouldn't have asked, because I knew the answer would be yes. Five minutes. Get out of here. I don't want to stand this. Go and come back in five minutes so we can schedule that before the rain gets in. It still is. You should see when I was coming. Traffic. Oh my God, traffic. I'm going to West was crazy. And then the rain was back out west because I came east was a When you guys live back out Oh, so yeah, you let me go back down. You're right. Why? Oh my God. How many more slides do we have on this? Okay, so you have to mind this one. Okay, I'll do a quick one. What are you coming to ask me? I know, I know. Anytime you approach me, he doesn't want anything else but to know. Are you going to do a reveal? Really? Yes, it's true. I was going to ask you how your shoulder feel, but see? Oh, oh, come on. Oh, it's, it's such a... Oh. Okay. Oh Ray, you're going to have to clean this. Ray, you're going to have to clean this. You're going to have to clean this, um, this, this recording, too, because I'm saying new oh, things to Yes, that's to me, and it's hurtful. Well, well, you better stay, because I'll but not remember. I to you, it's okay. Yes, exactly. Ray, I assume. I, I resume, I should say. I assume. Oh, did you stop the recording on Blackboard? Oh my god, you're going to have to really edit that one too. Okay, why is it? Is, that, is my screen not still there? Yes, you can get our there. But where? Oh no, oh no. Are they seeing it? Yeah? Ask them if they've seen it because I don't know. You have a little of a cell phone? Okay, if you guys want me to give you a quick 10, 15 minute review, you better sit down and be quiet or else. Look how fast that always works. Jeez, oh. and ages. I know how to get to you guys. You gotta, you're going to have to edit this as well. Okay, so let's run through quickly the pelvis. Let's see what we know about the pelvis. Here we go, pelvis. Remember we said you have a lot of the large blood vessels, right? 
right? Femoral artery, femoral veins, so forth and so forth. So, when it comes to imaging your patient and, and the, with regards to the pelvis, the stability, the hemodynamic stability of your patient will determine which study. So here we go. When you have a hemodynamically stable patient and you can move your patient, you're going to do CT as your modality of choice. Why? Because it gives you anatomically, it gives you a better idea of what's going on. The other thing is that it can, you, it can also help you look for a bleed, right? Because if a patient usually, um, with regards to pelvic fractures, they usually falls very common in motor vehicle accidents, right? So the key with, the, with, with it is that you can look for bleeds, whether it is retroperitoneal, whether it's intraperitoneal, okay? If you have a dislocation, it can also help you to confirm your dislocation and also helps whether, to see if there's a uh, fracture of the acetabulum. Because remember our pelvic, just like when we looked at um, the chest, remember the pelvic is 3D, right? The hip bones come forward. What do we have happening with a chest, with a, a radiograph of the pelvis? You're doing this superimposition, right? What do you have in that area? You have bladder, right? You have, you have the, the, the bones, right? You have, you have a lot of structures. You have the, the, what do you call this thing again? The vertebral column. So the, the problem with the x-ray is that the resolution in that area does not, war does not help you when you have these larger, <clears throat> these pelvic fractures. Now, if your patient is hemodynamically unstable, what are you going to do? Just an AP, right? Just an AP, and if you're going to do an AP, because you can do it portable, it will still be able to give you an idea of 90% of the time if you have a pelvic injury. And then from there, you can determine, do I need to go, does this patient need to go to surgery? Are we dealing with a bleed? Do we need to do a, you know, move the patient and do a CT, stabilize the patient, move the patient and do a CT? So it all depends once again on your patient. Okay. <clears throat> so basically, this just, you know, just some pelvic fractures. Um, this was a portable, once again, right? This is, the patient wasn't moved, right? That's the board that the patient was on. So you have an actual separation, okay? This widening of the pubic um, symphysis means that you do have a fracture large enough to actually cause, right, the pubic symphysis to, um, to, to dislocate. Um, here we have a fracture... It's very difficult. This is a CT, right? So CT, 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 not the same patient, right? So where the arrow is pointing, what is the only thing you could really appreciate there? You step off, right? And I, you see it better from the screen on a distance. At a distance. This transverse fracture of the superior pubic ramus, you can appreciate the fracture line, especially if you look at it from a distance. I don't see it, it's easier for me to see on the um, larger screen. And then we have an iliac crest, crescent fracture. Could you imagine trying to see that on a, a radiograph? You can't, right? So you understand why CTs, you know, CTs you go to, especially when you're, you're dealing with pelvic fractures, especially those in motor vehicle accidents and, and um, where you, you could have Comminuted fractures, you can have fractures in all different, um, you can have so many different bones that can be fractured in just that one mechanism of injury in your patient. 
Okay, hip fractures. So when we coming back to the hip fracture, we're concerned about the fracture of the femoral neck, just like we talked about the fractures of the humerus, right? Okay, so hemoral, hemoral, femoral neck fractures, right? Serious injuries, very high mortality rate. So, it, and especially uh, mortality rate in your, in your, pe in not your pediatric, in your geriatric um, population. So, what is the most common complications? They are non-union, meaning that the, the femoral neck doesn't, does not join back to the rest of the femur or avascular necrosis. So, those are, and avascular necrosis. So, those are the two primary complications. So once again, when it comes to hip fractures, uh, besides those, it still falls into place, meaning that depending on the mechanism of injury, depending on your patient, where your patient is hemodynamically stable or not. So your little old lady who went to the grocery store and she fell, right? But she's able, but it's not a motor vehicle accident. She complains of pain. They take her to the ER. They can do your modality. Your first modality, imaging modality, will be the hip. Because the mechanism of injury is not a, a major fall. It's not a major, you don't suspect a major break. Also, depending on the pain scale, right? Right? Because if she's able to talk on a scale of 1 to 10. Okay? Also, from the, the manner in which the patient presents, whether the the leg is... is um, is what you call this thing? <laughs> Externally rotated, thank you. Okay, so it all depends on your patient's presentation. So if, if once again, just like we did with the snuff box, if the, if the patient's presentation is out of proportion to the radiograph, right, you want to do, or equivocal, meaning that you can't tell you want to do your MRI because you're really concerned about avascular necrosis. And then if you see fractures on your radiograph, you want to get a better idea of what's going on with those fractures, the extent of your fractures, your CT will be. So it all depends on what the radiograph shows, just like we had um, talked about before. Okay, so what do you think the MRI, what do you think image B is showing you? What's that, what's that? They have they suspected a fracture, okay? So the, in this case, the radiograph you can't see, right? You don't see the fracture. Do you see the fracture? Just like in the scaphoid, right? But because of the patient's presentation, the patient's, patient's age, mechanism of injury, they highly suspect the fracture. So that's why they did the MRI, okay? So this one is the T1, this one's the T2. T2 shows more bright, brighter, right? So with the T1, there's your fracture line, just like with the snuff box, okay? And then here, what, what did I show you here again? Here I'm showing you what is considered the femoral head, what's considered the femoral neck, where's the greater trochanter, and what's the lesser trochanter. So that's just, uh, what you call that thingy? a diagrammatic representation of the four moving parts, okay, of the femoral head. Any questions on that? Okay, so pelvic fractures, it all depends on your modality, depends on the stability of your patient, the hemodynamic stability of your patient, right? 
and then we take it from there. We said um, CT. If you um, do a, if you do the radiograph, if the patient is hemodynamically stable, mechanism of injuries is like a, a, a accident. You can move the patient. You could do CT because you're concerned about both, right? And then we talked about the same concept of X-ray being negative. You still want to do you want to do an MRI. If the X-ray is negative, you do want to do the MRI because just like with the stump box, just like with the humeral humerus, the humeral head. You want to make sure that you, you don't want to end up with an avascular necrosis as the patient over a period of time because you didn't, um, you didn't make sure they rule out the fracture. Okay, dislocations. Just like the elbow dislocation, most common is your posterior hip dislocation. Anterior 10%. What is the most common? What's the mechanism of injury? High-speed trauma. Right? High-speed trauma for dislocation. Um, what about, what are we concerned about with regards to avascular necrosis? Again, right? If you don't reduce that dislocation because you have your femoral artery, all your major blood vessels, right? Feeding the lower extremity. You do, if you, um, if you postpone reduction, if, if the patient presents... With the, um, if the x-ray shows a dislocation, you do need to um, be concerned, right? If you don't do anything within the first 24 hours. So once again, radiograph, and as you could tell, as you see, AP lateral, and then they do an internal and external oblique views. If, if the patient can move, a lot of times they can just move the beam. Sometimes it requires movement of the patient, but if you can't, Who's going to manipulate a patient who's got a dislocation, dislocated um, hip? Yes. What's what? Reduction is when they, when you, they actually um, put it back into place. So with dislocations, they will reduce the dislocation. So they remove. In other words, you can think of decreasing, reducing the wide angle that's caused by the dislocation. That's why they call it a reduction. Good, good point. I, I didn't. I thought automatically you guys would have. No, my bad. Sorry, but thanks for asking. Okay, so that's what a reduction means. You reduce a dislocation. Um, so these two images really simple, in the sense that um, this was a dislocation of the hip of a a young woman. She she was in a high speed motor vehicle accident, and if you look at the image on your the image on your left is an, is the normal, right? But look at the image on the right. Posterior anterior dislocation. Right. It's posterior, right? So if this one, it's easy to figure out. Because you, you see the pelvis up front and the femur is moving back. Yes. It should, it should have more of that inferior, yes, but that's a good question. You can look and look up an, an anterior. Because it wasn't as common and, um, with musculoskeletal, I tried to limit. I didn't put an additional one, but I should. Next time I would. Yes? Is that white? The whiteness is the soft tissue. Swelling of the soft tissue. You talking about this? Yeah. Yeah. 
That stuff, that stuff, just you swelling. Because picture, picture dislocation, and she was in a motor vehicle accident. So it's soft tissue swelling. And the other thing too is it's not the perfect, it's not the perfect image too, right? So that could have something to do with the angle, the angle of um, the patient when the image was taken. But soft tissue swelling because you could, you could also tell from the width. Ooh. I wouldn't like to be that patient. Any questions on dislocation? So most common posterior, right? Okay, so how many, how many more slides do we have? When do I see you guys again? Thursday. Okay, and then I see you. We have two more the following week. Yeah. Okay. So Thursday, Thursday I'll finish this and... Um, the other lecture, I have to finish muscular skeletal because I would like, I have to try and introduce, I have to try and see, I have to talk to Professor Rivas. We usually start medicine, medical lab. I had two lectures. I may have to be do one. I have to talk to him. Okay, so what do you, what do you want to know? <laughs> oh, my God. Really? Oh, wait, did I lock them up? Okay. Okay, what are you concerned about? What do you, what do you think? It, yes. How many questions? 25. I was able to find 25 questions. Um, images, well, everything. Make sure you can distinguish your small bowel obstruction, large bowel obstruction, uh, everything we talked about. Um, Image-wise, right? Um, small bowel obstruction, what are you going to look for? Bavular conventus. What about the location of where you find central. them? Central. Very central, right? Large, right? You're going to see it very, a large area. Okay, what about large bowel obstruction? Peripheral. Usually peripheral. What else would you not see if you go lower down into the rectal area? No air. No air, right? Okay, so remember, you also want to make sure... That when you're looking, you look for if there's any air lower down. Okay, what about um, the appendicitis? What would you expect to see on a, a radiograph? Sentinel loop, what area? Right lower. Is it small bowel or large? Large. Remember, cecum, right? Appendicitis, right? So you want to look for, if you see large dilated bowel, a large dilated bowel in that area, right? You want to, you, you want to, um, you want to move towards, towards, um, what was I talking about? Appendicitis. Oh God, appendicitis. Okay. God, I'm like a little old uh, granny. Okay. Small, okay. Pancreatitis. What would be, what would be, what sign would you find on a, a abdominal radiograph? Huh? The double duck sign. The FBI? Oh, the epigastric pain. I know you said FBI. No, but in terms of the radiograph. Localized alias. What would localized alias look like? Large or small bowel? What, four loops, ten loops, two loops? Where would it be located? Either, epi, either the epigastric or you can also find it to the... Left upper quadrant, right? Sometimes it can shift that way, right? Um, what about what about uh, gallbladder, cholecystitis? Right, more or less in the right upper quadrant, right? Um, 
What's your, what's your initial modality for a patient, 40-year-old female who comes into oh, emergency oh, room? Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay, when would, you, when would you do nuclear medicine? What does equivocal mean? That is not what? No what? Well, highly no results. What do you look for in an ultrasound in a patient who has uh, who has stones? Right, exactly. So it's not it. it I could if I don't use the word equivocal, and I don't know if I did or not because once again I don't remember much of what I did on that exam. Because um, I don't, but I don't need to use the word equivocal. I could say the the ultrasound failed to show stones or the ultrasound failed to show gallbladder thickening but it, but the patient's presentation has a high probability a high index of suspicion for acute cholecystitis what would you what, which of these would you order next right or which one of these would you order to check the function you see what i'm saying so they're gonna have you have to look for those keywords all right um what was the modality Oh, the hydroscan, the, oh, I mean, I'm hearing it, but I don't know who's saying hepatobiliary and scintigraphy, right? Remember the word scintigraphy, hydro, hepatobiliary scan. Um, so we talked about mechanical obstruction. We talked about small, okay, so you have to recognize them, right? Remember, too, um, where you expect to find the locations. Um, remember what, um, okay, the abdominal aortic aneurysm, because I'm going through my PowerPoint and trying to remember what topics. What is usually the presentation of your patient? Physical exam, right? Usually a pulsing, right? Pulsation, abdominal, a pulsatile mass in the abdomen. What is your, um, what would be your usually initial modality? Ultrasound, right? And then you'll go to... CT, CT, right? With or without contrast? CT, CTA, CTA, yeah. CTA, right? Which means it's with contrast. Sorry, good point there. Um, a CTA, because it's vascular. Um, okay, pancreas, liver. Okay, what else did I, what else thing? Um, Remember, you need to just remember, like the last time I gave you guys a question and I had, there was a description. Oh, I said, I, I gave you, I, I can give you a, a clinical scenario and then I could say, what would you expect the radiograph of the abdominal radiograph of this patient to show? So you're going to be able to have to distinguish what verbally, right? I, I just talked about uh, visually, but verbally, you're going to have to be able to distinguish um, what it is. Small bowel would be described as what your large bowel, um, the large small bowel obstruction, large bowel obstruction, an alias. So you need to know the descriptives because I can give you a clinical presentation and then I could ask you, what would you expect? The, it's almost as if, what would you expect the results that you read the impression to be? So you have to be able to pick those out of, of cho you know, your choices. Um, I didn't, um, God, I don't remember. Oh, God. Why am I doing this for you guys? Why? Okay, I have to stop this.
Oh no, I can keep the recording. No, the recording does not. Yeah, I don't. I want to. Do I move this? How do I do this? I. Well, you want to turn off the screen? I want to turn off the screens and I want to turn off the recording because if I record, then you could see. Oh God, what would they see? I don't know. Well, they could you can hear. stop sharing your screen content. I can stop sharing my screen content. They could hear, right? Yeah, they should be able to hear. Unless you killed off the. No, no, I'm not cutting off this speaker. Can you ask them if they? I'm gonna stop sharing my screen. Yeah, well, just text them. Yeah, just call them. Do people don't wanna get home? Now you're not sharing. Okay, so now I'm not sharing. Yeah, you're not sharing. Can you get? Oh, now they can't see me, but they can hear me. Yes, they can hear you. They can't see. They can hear me, but they can't see me. That's right. They said that they can hear. Yes, okay. They, I don't want them to see me. Right. On the screen. On the screen. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much, John. Okay. Wait, I need to get a glass. Because I can't see now. I know. Okay. <laughs> 25 questions. Remember, you need to know your signs, right? Hello. Remember, you need to know your signs. What falciform ligament sign, regular sign, how, how the presentation, right? The description of them. Oh, okay. Okay. We talked about appendicitis, right? You know your textbook has uh, descriptive this patient presentations for these, right? Yes. So just make sure you, you know what the clinical presentation is. Oh, we talked about, um, remember, you have to cover um, pneumoperitoneum, right? What about a pneumoperitoneum that we talked about? Everything you know about a pneumoperitoneum? The bubble? Okay, upright, upright chest x-ray, right, is included, right? Are we doing an abdominal? An abdom, abdominal? Yeah, it's two, right? So you're going to have to add an upright. What else do we know? What, what else could, do we, do we know? The bubble, right? The air, right? Right. Do we usually see the liver on a, a abdominal x-ray, the edge of the liver? No. no, right? So you remember those descriptive things we talked about? Okay. And just remember, you guys also have to remember when we use, because remember when we, those, those slides that we talked about, when do you, with renal, when do you use uh, uh, an enhanced CT? When do you use an enhanced CT, right? right. When do we use an unenhanced CT? In a, for, in a patient with um, kidneys, which when we talk to the renal, stones, right? Yeah, you're going to use a non-contrast CT with stones. Yes. That's, so that, that, those slides, those kinds of questions. Um, what is Zenka's diverticulum? And how does it present? The upper The upper one. It's like an aneurysm in the, in the esophagus, right? Uh, pocketing, right? 
So remember we talked about those and then we talked about what is the one that looks like a bird? A lower esophageal sphincter. What is it called? Achalasia, right? Bird's beak appearance, right? Okay. Um, so we always talked about when we talk about our soft tissue in our organs, right? With CT, they're always contrast enhanced, right? And what we call them a multi multi-phase, multi right? So just remember those are the ones the ones that we that um, you think of a jiggy. Hmm? Uh, remember <laughs> Remember when we when we're looking at anything like liver, pancreas, spleen, it's always a multi-phase because we talked about the differences in the multi-phase, right? Ooh, I never see shorthand writing so fast in my life. <laughs> that should be um, court reporters. <laughs> it's like it's, oh, like squish, 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 squish. Okay. Um, yeah, y'all are laughing. Remember, remember too when we looked at radio with when we looked at radiographs, right? Um, what did we when, the the of the abdomen and stuff? Remember, supine and erect can show different things, right? So you need to be able to look at your alias, your large bowel, small bowel, um, those images in a supine, looking at it with a supine, which is how the APs are done, or with an erect. So you're able to distinguish them in both ways, right? Because they look differently. What will clue you into that you're looking at an a, a upright abdominal radiograph if you have alias? Or if you have obstruction, sorry. If you have a small bowel obstruction, mm -hmm. the air fluid levels, right? So that's what I'm saying. Make sure you, you know the difference between what it looks like on a supine and what it looks like if you have an upright. Just remember to look at those images. Oh, how come I got this to move faster? Oh, because I was doing this. Okay. What else did we look at that we forgot to talk about? What are the pathologies? Gosh, there's, so many. there's not so many. Oh my God, for God's sake. What is it? What was so many? Well, it was toxic megacolon. I counted like 32. 32 what? Pathology. From the different Really? Yeah. Which 32? You stand there and leave me 32. Benign prosthetic hypertrophy, acute renal injury, adrenal mass, renal cell carcinoma. Yeah, but those are, but those are grouped into... One. No, I'm talking about from a visual and a, a, a descriptive and impression. It wasn't that much. Oh, yeah, but the book has a separate. Oh. Interception, right? Okay, we did a disception. What did we know about it? What did we? What was the key thing with interception? The toddler, the infant. What else did we say about imaging? What imaging? What do we use for interception? Ultra, the target appearance. Uh huh. Ultrasound, right? Target appearance on the ultrasound. But what is the description of a target appearance? Telescoping is is what we use when we're looking at the radiograph. But when you, how do you describe the ultrasound? Concentric layers. Yeah, right. Remember, we talked about the. That's when you look at the ultrasound. That's why it, it has that target. Right, so remember to read read your textbook and the description because I don't think I gave such a great, a large, uh, in depth description of the target sign. So that's where your textbook is telescoping proxim proximal or it's the it's the distal telescoping into the proximal, right? Um, doo -doo -doo -doo. Oops, sorry. 
Or remember, you, you, you notice there's a trend too, whenever we talk about a patient who's hemodynamically stable or unstable in certain of our pathologies, we determine whether we're doing uh, ultrasound or CT, whether we're moving the patient or not, right? So just make sure you guys, you guys got, get that. Remember, too, that they keep, you know, you always have to remember when you hear your keywords, adhesions, what do you think of? Who gets adhesions? Post-surgical, or what? Two days, five days, six months, one year? Timing. Right, remember the timing. Because a, a patient can have, can be post-surgical two days, and that's going to change, Right? Why, why they have an acute abdomen, so the timing, because I don't want nobody challenging me, and I don't know said post-surgery, because I'm not, right? So you need to, you need to think, I can do post-surgery, you have to focus on that key timing, okay? So please, because I'm not taking no challenges, I'm telling you from now. I'm sorry, you say the timing. Time is important, yes, because I could say, oh, because I could say the patient, the patient had a hysterectomy three days ago. Or <clears throat> the patient has a past medical history of a hysterectomy done two years ago. That's going to change when you're looking at your image or your description, right? Right. If it's more recent, is, is it the abdomen as opposed to the nucleus? If it's more recent, it's a what? That's what I'm asking. If it's more recent, if it's more recent what, what, would you, what do you expect your image to look like? Well, I'm asking you. Okay. If it's more recent, what are you looking at? Okay, you all need to study now. What would you expect to see on a radiograph? Let's hear it. Huh? Yes, and what is that supposed to look like? You see, you see where I'm getting at. But you see where I'm getting at, and that's, that's what you guys need to do. You guys need to take these little pieces and look at them from all different angles. But if you're going to sit down, and it's so funny because I had a conversation with a, a student, not here. And I said, if you go home and you listen to my, okay, if you go home and you just listen to what I said here and you look at my PowerPoint, you're going to get nowhere. Why? Because I'm not going to take my, my I'm not going to go and cut and paste my descriptions off of my PowerPoint. I'm not going to give you the same image again. But if you listen to me and you've been present most of the times you guys are and you look at that but you go and you read your textbook and you search the images and you make sure you find another textbook that is how and you read you read these descriptions you go to radio what is that one called radio, radio. radio. master class or the radiopedia or whatever right or learning radiology and you, you type in, um, let's say, uh, whatever, uh, small bowel obstruction. And you read the impressions. Now you're, now you're getting it because now you know it's not the way I said it. It's not where the PowerPoint is. It's not even the way the textbook did. Somebody else is describing it to me. So I can now say, okay, key point, post up a few days. Start thinking. I start thinking it's not an obstruction. It's not mechanical. It's peristalsis. It's ileus. Okay, because it could be, oh, I'm sorry, it could be ileus or it could be small bowel obstruction. But the post-op was, you saw her two months ago. Oh, it's in the history. So that is how you guys need to look at the information. It's not spitting it out.
and you'll be surprised how much less studying you're going to have to do than if you sit down and, and just look at it and look at the PowerPoint. You need, to, you need to start asking yourself questions. You need to start at a certain point and then look at it in all different angles like I'm doing with you guys now. Right? Because you categorize. You categorize them. Post up when? How long? First thing I look at the question, I see the word post up, right? Or the patient had surgery. Okay, so this is a surgical patient. Could be an alias. It could be small bowel. When did this patient have surgery? So I'm going to continue reading my, the rest of my para. Then I start reading. Okay, what am I looking for? Time. Is it two days ago? Is it four years ago? You just ruled out what? Ilias. If, if your choices happen to be that, if that's where the question is going. So that's what I'm saying. You have to find the key points and start in your mind, all that information there, start picking out what you need to focus on and forget about the other stuff. Does that make sense? Okay. All right. Um, blah, blah, blah. What else? Um, Yeah, it's okay. So, for so I gave you guys, I gave you guys. Uh, um, if you compare, didn't I give you that little thing with obstruction and ileus, small bowel obstruction, general? That little table was it yeah, all yeah. for? Yeah, yeah. So, if you look at that, then you will be able to tell me. If I ask you a question, how does how how which of the following this would describe? Would, would, um, which of the following, which of the following, well, I, I'm not going to use the right words like how I would write a question, but which of the following will clue you in that you're looking at a large, uh, that you're looking at a large bowel obstruction versus a generalized ileus? Or which one would show you whether you're looking at mechanical obstruction versus ileus? So you need to know what, what is the key difference there? Mechanical obstruction is what? What do we say about mechanical obstruction? Yeah, I'm asking. If I if I said mechanical obstruction, what what was it? Right, air above, flattening below. Right. So. Yeah, that, so you see what I'm saying? So once you see the words, how am I comparing one versus the other? Because visually, that's how you, that's how you figure it out. Oh my God, it's five to seven, but I'm okay with that. Visually, that's how you figure it out because you know that from a visual point of view, I know that I have to look for bowel that's distended and then bowel, and as I trace the distended bowel, Am I, is it, do I have no air, right, distilled to it? Or if I have distended bowel, is everything distended? Can I, can I determine if I'm looking at large bowel or small bowel? Or does it just look like a whole mass? So that's what I'm telling you. So you, you should go back to your PowerPoints. And, and for things that from studying now on, you shouldn't go back to your PowerPoints to read them. You should be going back to your PowerPoints to pick out Take your pathologies, and this is for everything moving forward. You go back to your PowerPoints and you say, this is mechanical obstruction. 
I need to look for this. Visually, this, this, this. That's what you should be picking out from your PowerPoints. The things that make them different from the, from the diagnosis, from the pathology before and the pathology after, if they are like you're an abdomen. And I tell you, you're going to look at, you're not going to go down and take a PowerPoint from musculoskeletal and look. You get what I'm saying? Within the PowerPoint, find the differences. Find the things that will help you to just take the other choices out because that's what multiple choice is. It comes down to two. It's always going to come down to two. And it's an art. Oh, oh, oh what happened? Did it sign out? Oh, you're not hearing me? For the last like, 15, 20 seconds. 20 oh, okay. Right over here. Okay, I'll wait. <laughs> so does that make any sense? And, and I know what you're saying, but Sadi, that takes time. Yeah, well, it does, but trust me, it's going to be valuable time. Because reading PowerPoints takes time and reading 15 different words, 15 lines on a PowerPoint or 10 lines on a PowerPoint and, and thinking you're going to go back and read the same thing and the same thing over again, you're wasting your time because all you're doing is looking at the same thing the same way over and over and over again. It's not going to work. Right? And you guys are early in the game. So try, try it with, the, with your things. If you do the preparation before, you're going to, it's going to help you in the end. Yeah. What is the difference um, between distended and dilated, like on the imaging itself? Distended and dilated? Yeah. There's no difference. So are they just used interchangeably? You can use them interchangeably. A lot of times when they talk about distended, you usually think of the girth of the patient, like a, a outer. Oh, okay. Um, but distended, dilated always means it's larger than what it normally should be. Okay. Um, let me see. Yeah, you see how, what's the difference between a mechanical, how would you distinguish mechanical obstruction from alias? That, that's the kind of, that's the kind of questions you need to be asking yourself. What makes them similar? What makes them similar is not something you want to look for. It's going to confuse you on a, on, a power, on a multiple choice. Because in multiple choices, what makes them different, really? You get what I'm saying? Okay, what else did we, what other things? Remember, we talked about volvulus. What is the most common? What does it look like? What's the sign called? What's the most common part of the bowel that, that um, twists upon itself? Which part was that? Sigmoid. Sigmoid. Yeah. Okay, so, okay, when, you know, I'm an instructor looking at a test, but I could tell you, I, I don't think, I, well, that's me. I think you guys, if you guys approach it, if you guys approach it, like I'm, I'm saying, where, let me distinguish them. Let me distinguish them, how they look on an image. Let me put four, let me put a normal abdomen. Let me put a large bowel obstruction. Let me put a small bowel obstruction. Let me put a generalized ileus. Let me look, put a small uh, generalized ileus. Localized ileus. Appendicitis. Gastritis. Not gastritis. Um, diverticulitis, if you can find. Most likely you won't. Um, pancreatitis. 
cholecystitis. Let me put those images together. Mix them and match them. Because then you can say, oh no, alias, oh no, bowel obstruction. Oh no, generalized alias, no, this is a localized alias. Where is it? Right upper quadrant, lower. You have to mix and match it. You have to do it as if you're sitting an exam. So if I were you guys, I would go through my PowerPoint. I would read my book. Well, you should have read it already, but I would go through my PowerPoint. I would have a piece of paper and I would say, large bowel obstruction. Okay, key word with large bowel obstruction is what? Malignancy. Right. Oh, I forgot about that one. Thanks. <laughs> Malignancy. So I'm looking for a patient who came into the office. The patient has said, I'm having, you know, constipated. I noticed, or I have abdominal pain. I noticed a weight, you, you see a weight loss. Anytime you see that weight loss, you know you're dealing with that. So that's malignancy. What do I expect? What am I expecting? Well, well, no, that's if you're doing a colonoscopy. I'm talking about what about the if you did the radiograph on the patient? What do you need to look for? Huh? The apple core sign. If you're doing, if that's a colonoscopy, if not. If you just see, if you just see a radiograph, right? What would you be looking for as well? Distended large bowel, no air. No air in the rectum. In the rectum, because it's obstructing. You see what I'm saying? So those are the, that's what I would do. I would say this is a surgery. When you think of surgery, like I said, two things. You can either be talking about a small bowel obstruction or a generalized ileus. What makes them different? They look different, right? Everything, just the valvulae conventes, a lot of times it's centrally located because it is in that area. What else? Let me make sure I see surgery and I see the timing, the difference in the days, weeks, months, past history, two days, well, a past, two days ago is a past history, right? Because it's not happening now. Post-op two, three days ago, what type of surgery? Abdominals. Usually it's a pelvic surgery, right? Mm -hmm. So that's the thing, because that's when they manipulate. Remember, we talked about manipulating. Mm -hmm. But that's how I would study between now and then, honestly. And I would find descriptions in every book about how does a small, how you describe a small bowel obstruction, how you describe it radiographically, and see if it works. Okay. Don't get confused and don't get anxious. If you look at the images together, you've got to look at the images side by side because if you don't, they all look the same. Okay? All right? Okay, goodbye. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Yeah.